Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Your Questions Answered. Uh, today we're talking with Pastor Steve about some questions and things that came up from Sunday's message. So, as always, it's, been, it's fun to talk with you and yeah. kind of process things together. Um, and so we were talking a little bit before the podcast started, and we talked. you mentioned on Sunday about the, an aspect of ministering from a place of either of brokenness or of healing. And, yeah. you, and you said you wanted to clarify some things on that. Maybe we could start with that first and yeah. go, go there. Yeah, I had a couple of people ask um, after the service about that, and I and maybe didn't articulate it very well, so I want to clarify that um, there, there's a sense on the one hand that, for example, if you're an addict mm -hmm. and you're still actively addicted, that you're not quite ready to go and minister freedom to people that are addicts. You can you know, commiserate with them, you can share your experience together and maybe empathize with them, <clears throat> but only freed people or can free people. If you're a prisoner too, you can't free somebody else from that prison mm -hmm. that they're in. So I think there's a measure of wholeness necessary to minister, like, you know, freedom to captives and, and so on. But there's also an aspect, and this is where I wanted to clarify, that all of us are in process. That doesn't mean you have to become perfected in a certain way before you're qualified, whatever that means, mm -hmm. to minister. That whatever you have of Christ you can begin day one to pour that out into people mm. and to share what you've got. Um, you know, the day after you're born again, go out there and share the good news of what God did for you. But um, I think my point was more um, this whole concept of ministering in brokenness sometimes gives people permission to remain bound and broken and mm. destitute. You know, the point, we're not broken vessels. We're healed vessels. Mm. We're, we're made whole in Christ, but chastisement that brought us shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken, <clears throat> was laid on Jesus. So uh, I really wanted to just urge people more toward go after that. You know, don't be satisfied. More, more on that this Sunday. All right. But don't be satisfied with a half-crucified life and a half-resurrected life. Mm -hmm. Go for the full thing. All right. So, and then just to, just to make sure, like, if somebody is, you know, dealing with an illness, let's say, mm -hmm. you're saying it's okay for them to pray for other people oh, for healing. 100%, uh, especially okay. in that one, because that's not yeah. a sin issue. Okay. That's a, you got something that was laid on you, you know, whatever the cause of it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, some of the greatest healing evangelists of all time have been actively sick while ministering healing to thousands. You know, there's one brother who's deaf in his both ears and has opened up hundreds of deaf ears wow. in his ministry, and yet God hasn't set him <clears throat> free. It's one of those, you know, conundrums and paradoxes of faith that I don't know, understand why for him, but it hasn't stopped him from ministering what he knows the truth is in the word. Uh, he's not allowing his life experience to change the word of God. Mm. And he's seen great success in ministry because of that. All right. Well, thank you for clarifying that one too. So we're able to minister as we've been set free and walk in the freedom. Praise God. So, well, we did talk about questions ahead of time, but I wanted to spring a uh, Short one, too. I think I might know the answer to this one, but just to, this is a new one, so here we go. Okay. But on, on Sunday, you had us, um, as part of processing Isaiah 53, actually take communion um, corporately. Uh, but we were, were together in the room, but individually we took it. And the question I had is, is there limitations in the Bible concerning where and when you can take communion? Like, for example, if a, oh. if a family wants to take communion on their own to experience this again, is there a limitation to that? 
Absolutely not. I mean, the whole concept of needing a priest or a pastor or a clergyman of any sort, yeah. um, that is a pagan religious thing that got introduced to the church somewhere along the way. Jesus said, whenever two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst of mm -hmm. them. And that's the only requirement. I mean, communion, yeah, we could, this is a big can of worms here to open up, but it, communion is a celebration of the communion first that we have with Christ. Yeah. So you alone with Christ is two, gathered in his name. Uh, or you could just say me, myself, and I are gathered in his name because we're triune beings too, body, soul, and spirit. But anyway, that's, that's just me being weird funny. <laughs> Um, that that's what it's about. I, I am in Christ. He is in me. And it's better celebrated, I believe, in a corporate context around a table. Family is the best, most ideal. Husband mm -hmm. and wife is a great place for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Family is a great place for that to happen. And any gathering of saints, you know, we encourage our life groups to celebrate communion often, if not every time mm -hmm. they come together and you don't need a special kind of, you know, leader or anything to do that. You already have Christ in you. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of a religious boundary that somebody put up along okay. the way that is not biblical, is nowhere to be found. There's really no instructions in the New Testament on how to celebrate communion, hmm. like what to do. Like, do you have to break the bread? Do you, you know, in front of everybody, I think it's meaningful to do it. And it's, you know, but uh, it doesn't say that. Mm -hmm. I mean, have to do it that way or you know can you use that flat matzah you get in Manischewitz matzah or <laughs> you know can you use bread that's got leaven in it there's all kinds of stuff you could get into about what makes for a valid communion but it's really about Christ's presence in the midst celebrating his active living dynamic presence awesome and yeah I mean that was powerful on Sunday so it's great that we can celebrate mm -hmm. whenever we feel drawn to that yeah yeah okay yeah that was that was good. All right, that was a that was a sort of a question I had for you. But the next question involves, um, <clears throat> well, I'll back up a little bit. You had a great discussion on. Um, it's, it was kind of a detour, but it was a good detour on Sunday about um, Jesus weeping before he administered mm. resurrection power to Lazarus. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you mentioned in the, in the sermon that you you wonder what Jesus was thinking because he, even though he knew he was going to pray for and speak life to Lazarus and literally what happened, you know, he still wept in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so he experienced emotions. Um, so that aspect is that it's fantastic that Jesus, Jesus experienced everything we experience. But yeah. I want to talk about the kind of the interplay of emotion with experience. We talk a lot about theology in, in this podcast sometimes, but I also want to talk about emotion and experience a little bit too. You know, let's just say somebody on Sunday morning, you know, uh, had a profound experience um, during communion. You know, they felt like the list of things mentioned in Isaiah 53 were cast off, like step by step. Yeah. Um, and then you have somebody, person B, you know, who has uh, a similar. I would say that they prayed the same way, had the same amount of faith, but didn't experience a tangible feeling, if you will, physical or emotional. You know. Um, What's the what's the process for that? How do you how do you reconcile those two? Have they both experienced the healing mm -hmm. nature, even yeah. if one didn't feel it, so to speak? Well, that's a great question. I think um, first of all, I think theology should involve the emotions. Hmm. When Jesus said, you know, the time is coming and now is that they who worship God will worship in spirit and in truth. 
<clears throat> truth can be cold, callous. Truth can just be just the facts, ma'am, kind of thing. But when you say worship in spirit, it means involving your whole being. Hmm. Like the spirit, another term for spirit could be your heart of hearts. Hmm. That's the core of who you are. It's the central aspect of what makes you you. And so our whole being ought to be involved. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and your soul and all your strength. So uh, involving our heart in everything that we do that's spiritual, I think is a sign of a, a soul that's been set free. Hmm. So those two people, for example, you don't always feel it in terms of this exhilarating you know, exciting kind of experience whenever you encounter God. For mm -hmm. some it's weeping, some it's laughing, some it's jump up and down joy, you know, whatever the emotional response is. Yeah, that ought to happen sometimes, but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that the transformative work of Christ just happened inside somebody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so on the extremes of this equation, there are some that have an emotional response to the Lord every week. But nothing changes. Hmm. You can cry at the altar. You can, you know, uh, have these profound, like you feel drained of all emotion at the end of it, encounters. But then there's got to be uh, something of living it out. Hmm. And that doesn't always feel exciting like in that moment. Mm -hmm. It's like marriage. You know, you, you, you love each other. And sometimes there's that passion is like the day you got married. And then there are other days that you're just being faithful to your covenant because you, you love each other and so you're faithful mm -hmm. through it all. And I think most of our walk with God is that, mm. that it's not just this constant, you know, hopping from emotional high to emotional high, but it's just faithful. I love God. He loves me. We're walking together. And there are these exhilarating moments I'll never forget. So I think it's important not to prioritize those, but it's also important not to diminish the importance of those. Somebody who never feels anything with God may have an issue where part of their heart is still bound mm -hmm. by something. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they say that counselors will say that um, the worst condition of the human heart is not uh, sorrow or anger, you know, the negative emotions. It's being numb mm. when you don't feel anything anymore. That's the worst thing that can happen to a heart. Wow. Um, and usually it's because there's been some kind of <clears throat> abuse or trauma or, you know, just life, you mm -hmm. know, living life in such a way that your heart got trained not to feel anything anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've been disappointed time and time again, maybe even with God. And over and over again, you've gotten your hopes up and only to be dashed against the rocks. And you've trained your heart at that point to say, that's it, I'm not going to feel anymore because mm -hmm. it's too painful to experience grief. It's too painful to experience disappointment. <clears throat> uh, that's not a good condition. You can't love the Lord your God with all your heart if part of it's become hardened by protect because of protecting it. Yeah. So um, I, I think we ought to check and, and ask, you know, when was the last time I experienced an exhilarating moment? with God. Have I ever experienced it? Because he's a, he's not just a cold God who, you know, thou shalt this and thou shalt not that. Mm -hmm. He's a passionate lover. Read the Song of Solomon. He is passionate. He is the author of every passionate feeling that we have. Mm. God experiences that and we're made in his image, which is why we experience it. And so the life of freedom in Christ involves our whole heart being set free, to be able to love with all of our heart. Being, mm -hmm. And that, that includes the risk of grief and loss, but 
It means that I am open at any moment when God floods my being to be made fully alive and restored to how mm. I was created to be. And if he gave us an emotional spectrum, everything from the heights of joy to the depths of despair, those are all in the human emotion palette, if you will, mm. that we ought to be able to paint with the entire palette of human emotion. You know, I started out in Christ, I had about that big of a range of feeling because I trained my heart to shut, shut down, don't feel, you know, New York City streets. I learned how not to be hurt. And so I wouldn't let anybody in. You can imagine how devastating that is to a marriage and to yeah. being a father. And to this day, I'm still growing in it. You know, I'm not there yet. But, I've, you know, if I started out here, maybe I'm here. Maybe one day I'll be here. I don't know how to measure the range, you know, of what. But it, some of it involves just giving your heart permission to feel again. Yeah. And maybe to discovering, is there a stronghold there? Is there something, mm. you know, strongholds are in one way. And I'll be teaching on this in a couple of weeks. Uh, part of what strongholds do, they're designed to protect us from the truth of God's word, mm. which includes, you know, an emotional response. There, it's not just a cold, callous truth. Uh, all truth is made to be experienced. You know, when we use the word doctrine in the church or theology, like you mentioned, we tend to think of that as like an intellectual exercise, like we're writing a creed, like the Apostles' Creed or Nicene Creed or something like that. And it's just this statement of all these facts. But... The apostles' doctrine included um, setting people free to where they were walking and leaping and praising God mm. at their healing. That's, that's part of doctrine means lived truth, mm. not just believed or understood truth. Yeah. And all of life is made up of emotions. I mean, that, that we are emotional, feeling beings, and I don't think we should give ourselves permission to turn it off mm. and to stay stuck in that. So... Uh, I believe somebody who is emotionally bound, that's another kind of bondage that's just as terrible as any kind of demonic oppression or physical oppression or mental mm. oppression. The heart being bound is like a, an oppression of the heart. Mm. So be unbound. Be unbound. Be, be free, free completely. Feel it. Yeah. Well, I love it. I mean, I, just reflecting upon your sermon again, I yeah, listened to it again earlier today, that it's really just a... It's, it's amazing how comprehensive God wants to be in healing every part of our life, you know. Like when you went to Isaiah 53, it really was a checklist of things mm -hmm. down the line. And it was complete, you know. I also went to PennDOT today. That's why I was listening to your, your podcast. I was waiting for a, lo a long time. But I'm so sorry. No, I mean, it's all right. The, um, another story for another time. But, you know, they were comprehensive in, in a way, too. They had a checklist of things you had to, had to bring certain documents to mm -hmm. get this, this paperwork done. And, and um, I just love that Jesus is like that, too. Every part of our body, he wants to yeah. heal. Every part of our soul yeah. and our spirit, he wants to heal. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to wait in line for it, either. Yeah. So praise God for that. <laughs> no lines, no waiting, baby. 24-7, yeah. 365. And no charge, either. So Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for... for talking today. This is really good and Great. appreciate the, the chance to dialogue about this and clarify things. And yeah, thanks for watching guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for um, engaging with us as we engage with the Lord too. Mm -hmm. And bless you and have an awesome day. Take care. Amen.